And certainly if you don't overcome your root causes or tackle them, um, you know, that just puts you at a higher risk of, of experiencing those issues again. Because again, it's not like the SIBO, that's the problem. It's whatever caused the SIBO. This is the Medicine Podcast. I am Mimi, mushroom queen, AHCC educator, and culinary nutrition expert. I am quite obsessed with providing the unique knowledge for those that want to prevent disease in their body, in their mind, and in their relationships. If that's you, then you are in the exact right place, my love. Let's go take the medicine. Hello, hello, dear ones. You are listening to episode number 76 of The Medicine Podcast. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us. I know your time is precious, so I hope each and every one of you feels my gratitude that you are just simply here listening while doing whatever else it is that you are doing. Okay, so this episode is jam-packed with all sorts of knowledge and goodness. And yes, the title has SIBO in it, that is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, but even if you don't have SIBO or never had it, you still have a digestive tract that at some point in your life may need some serious support. I know for myself and plenty of others, learning about digestion in general and our gut health, gut microbiome, it can feel really overwhelming. It just feels like there's so much to know and so much conflicting information out there, which is why I am so excited about our guest, Phoebe, who does such a fantastic job at breaking it all down for us. So Phoebe Lapine is a food and health writer, gluten-free chef, speaker, and the voice behind the award-winning blog, Feed Me Phoebe. I love that name. She is the host of SIBO Made Simple podcast and author of the new book, SIBO Made Simple, which helps those who are newly diagnosed or chronically fighting small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. She's dealt with SIBO herself, as well as her own chronic autoimmune disease, Hashimoto's. Phoebe's work has appeared in the major publications, Food and Wine, Marie Claire, Self, Glamour, Cosmo, and Mind Body Green, who named her actually one of the 100 women to watch in wellness. What? (laughs) She is an absolute baller uh, because she's not only helping people get rid of symptoms, she's also helping us get to the actual root cause of the symptoms which y'all know we love good root cause everything at The Medicine, you guys are going to love her. She also has a great podcast voice, in my opinion. So if you have SIBO, if you want to avoid SIBO, or maybe you have some mystery digestive symptoms that you haven't been able to figure out, or you just want to understand your digestion and your body better, you'll love how much we nerd out in this episode. So check the show notes to connect with Phoebe further, and please remember to subscribe and share the podcast if it has helped you in any way. We appreciate your shares and reviews so much. Okay, enjoy the episode. Bye. All right, you guys, welcome to The Medicine. We have a very special guest today, and I'm so excited uh, to learn more about this topic from Phoebe. This is a really important, I think, condition and and thing to know about in the body because it is so pervasive and there's a lot of what seems to be misinformation about it. So we are so happy to have Phoebe Lapine on here and uh, wanted to welcome you to the medicine. Thanks for being here. 
Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, cool. Great. Yeah, what a learning opportunity uh, we have. So grateful to have you here. This is something I feel like in my own uh, prep for this this podcast, I'm like, I'm, I'm unearthing things that I've literally never heard of. Um, I don't know if it's talked about enough. So definitely excited to, to jump in. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, okay, first off, before we jump into all things, we always say jump, before we jump, right. we just noticed that about ourselves, so now I, I notice it every time <laughs> I say it. <laughs> um, before we get into all the goods um, around SIBO and your book, your beautiful book that is such a wealth of knowledge and information, we want to know from you. What do you love in your life? What aspect of your life do you love so much that you wish you could gift to every human? Oh, man. Um, You know, the first thing that comes to mind is just the gift of writing and not being good at it or, you know, anything to do with my profession. But I just think I have been so grateful over the years to, you know, rely on journaling or even the more formal writing I do do as means of kind of like working out problems in my own head. Like things are just always clearer to me when I write them out. Um, like it, it truly, like even just writing for my blog or Instagram or whatnot helps me like sort through my own thoughts. And, you know, in such a complicated time of life as this past year has been, um, that was, I think, particularly one of the the things Mm -hmm. that came to my mind. Um, So not necessarily that like writing is your passion or anything like that, but that you have some sort of outlet like that, that helps you to kind of sort out the often complicated um, conundrums of life and emotions that come with it. Yeah. I, I so agree with you there. I, it, I, I seem like my brain can work through things in a different way when it's pen to paper, not necessarily mm. typing, but pen to paper, sometimes yeah. typing. It's like, it gives it a physicality in the world that you can then look at and be like, does this make sense? What are my actual thoughts? What do I think about this? Oh, that's what I actually think about it. Mm. You know, like I feel like it gives it this weight and this physicality in the world. There, there's a way kind of like art in a, in a way you're bypassing the ego. You're mm-hmm. bypassing the um, monkey mind that's consistently telling you stories that you can't sort of filter through, whether it's it's the true intention of your soul or your heart. So something like the practice of journaling weirdly can like like sneak one by the monkey mind or sneak yeah. one by the ego, and you actually get to get to interpret and get to see what uh, is really coming out of your your heart, which I think is cool. It's it's something that I'm like still relatively new to. This girl over here inspires me all the time. <laughs> She's got a beautiful journaling practice that um, my like dedication to efficiency in life like has a hard time getting that old school pen to paper practice down. But um, have definitely been inspired and seen the fruits of that of that practice in my own life. So yeah, oh love it, such medicine. And I, I just want to offer a, a different opinion because you said, oh, I'm not a great writer. You said something like that. And I haven't read your whole book, but I've read parts of it. And when someone can make me chuckle out loud as I'm reading, <laughs> that's a right. great sign. And I'm learning, right? Like it's not just a comedy sketch written down. It's I'm learning and you're making it, you're making it educate. What is it called? Edutainment where oh. I'm, I'm, I'm educating or I'm being educated, but I'm also being entertained. And that's, I think for me personally, when I learn best and things stick 
better. Mm -hmm. So I wrote down in here like great voice, awesome mm -hmm. writer, because one of, one of the things is I noticed myself like laughing out loud a little bit at your, oh. at your lines. <laughs> it makes it seem like I'm just listening to a friend teach me about something. Well, thank you. That was definitely the intention when writing about heavy stuff yeah. <laughs> and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like that kind of um, balance. Yeah. Well, I would love to, I have a ton of questions for you and I would love to get into them. Um, I know a little bit about your background just from reading parts of your book, um, but if you could let the listeners know about what, what inspired you ultimately to write a whole book about SIBO before we even get into, maybe you can get into what SIBO is, but what was your health journey like that led you to a point where you thought this was so important that this needed to have a physical book in the world? Yeah. Well, I definitely seem to be um, writing books that I wish I had had at various pain points in my life um, and battling various conditions. So that actually began with my last book, which is called The Wellness Project. And it was all about kind of how I tried to tackle my Hashimoto's thyroiditis um, diagnosis and just deal with the kind of never ending to-do list that is the holistic approach to healing autoimmune disease um, for better or for worse. And you know, ironically, I did a ton of research about gut health for that book. Um, it was really kind of tackling all of the many facets of wellness from sleep hygiene to stress management to hydration, um, alignment, just uh, supporting your liver, hormones, you know, all of that jazz. And of course, gut health. And I really thought that I knew <laughs> most of what there was to know about gut health. I interviewed some incredible experts. Um, and then after the book came out, like about, let's say, seven months later, some like IBS symptoms started creeping back into my life. And they were different than, you know, things I had experienced previously when, you know, I was kind of at my, my rock bottom. Um, I was like burping a lot during meals and, you know, the bloating was not just kind of sporadic. It was just like permanently there, like maybe not when I woke up in the morning, but certainly as soon as I started eating. And so eventually I just went back to the doctor for a full workup and he gave me a SIBO breath test and you know, spoiler alert, came back positive. And I just kind of fell down the rabbit hole of that diagnosis because it really hadn't come up that much in my research. And ironically, kind of everything that I thought I was supposed to be doing to foster good gut health and to kind of counteract all the symptoms that I was experiencing, like, you know, crushing probiotics and fermented foods and beans and legumes and nuts and seeds and inulin rich veggies. Like I was just making myself more and more miserable. And it was so confusing as to why that would be. And I think that's why, you know, SIBO opened up such a can of worms for me and does for many people um, because the kind of wisdom of gut health um, kind of has to be turned on its head, at least for a short term, in order to deal with this kind of acute issue, which is um, an overgrowth of bacteria in your small intestines. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I just started researching and I was just shocked at 
how complicated all the information was and how little consensus there was. Of course, it's like a new area of research. So there's a lot that still has like a big question mark attached to it, but there were just a lot of contradictory things too. And I just kind of, you know, like I said, with my, my first response to your question, my way to sort through it was just to like write it all down for myself to be like, okay, here's like, you know, where we start, here are all the things to consider. Um, you know, it was just a three-part series that I ended up putting on my site. But again, like I kind of ultimately wrote it for myself first and foremost. And I was just shocked when, you know, it was up on the internet and I got this huge wave of gratitude from people who were dealing with the same things. And I guess I didn't realize kind of how pervasive SIBO was. And, you know, people just seemed to be really craving more resources for it and, you know, things that are, were kind of like distilled in a more layman, um, <laughs> manner that, you know, could, were, that were actually digestible for people. Yeah. <laughs> the pun. I was reading that, that people, um, people who were already reading your blog, who were regular readers, read this experience that you were having and this all this information that you were putting out and they were saying hey hey me too me too mm. and they weren't necessarily new readers they were people that were already there and they didn't even know that this was a thing that they were they were also experiencing these symptoms maybe yeah. of bloating and burping or farting or whatever and just thought it was normal just thought like yeah. well everybody farts everybody burps everybody you know i'm a woman of course i'm going to be bloated sometimes well, well yeah. and that's i mean that's every guy's perspective too is like yeah we burp fart um <laughs> like gas etc and and so like going back a little bit um what is what is SIBO, but, but, but how do you, how do you get it? How do you walk into it? Mm. What are some of the symptoms that might suggest you have it? Should, you know, and what, what could lead up to it from a, you know, behavioral standpoint, or is it something that you're, you're, you know, more prone to genetically or born into? So take us through a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, so the answer to that part of the question is complicated, but I'll start with what SIBO is. So it stands for small intestine bacterial overgrowth. And I think kind of one of the misconceptions in the wellness world when when you kind of do dumb things down and, you know, use layman terms is that, you know, our gut bacteria like encompasses our entire digest digestion. Um and it does to some extent, like every organ, every area has its own ecosystem. But for the most part, when people are referring to your like, quote unquote, good gut bacteria, they're primarily referring to the large intestine. That's where the, the bulk of it lives. It's where it has like a real role in your digestive process. And the small intestine is where you absorb your nutrients. So it is not, it has, you know, some bacteria there, but not um, huge populations. And when those populations do kind of exceed their normal numbers, that's when you can kind of experience some of these symptoms that we just mentioned, because bacteria, when they are competing for your nutrients, they eat your food. And when they eat food, they release gas. And now that gas is much further away from an exit ramp. So hence the burping, trying to get out in any way possible. But more often than not, it just gets trapped there in a really uncomfortable way. And, you know, the kind of primary SIBO symptoms is, you know, very much overlapping with IBS, um, which is four main symptoms, you know, abdominal cramping, distension and bloating, um, flatulence, constipation, diarrhea, or a mixture of the two. And um, 
it's hard to kind of differentiate between the two without a test. Um, but SIBO, because of kind of what happens in the digestive tract when those bacteria are present, can then lead to kind of a whole host of other like autoimmune spectrum mm. Mm-hmm. symptoms. Um, leaky gut is kind of one of the big, you know, downwind side effects of having bacteria in an area that's not really designed to withstand it. We kind of have this thick mucus lining in our large intestine to separate our immune system from, you know, bacteria, which are other. And in the small intestine, we don't have that. It's much thinner. Um, the bacteria can breach that barrier by like literally eating through it. And that can mess with the tight junctions of your intestinal wall. And when those tight junctions get breached, that's when, you know, the phenomenon of leaky gut slash intestinal permeability happens. And, um, in some cases, small pieces of the bacteria themselves, but more often than not, like food particles can leak into the bloodstream and cause, you know, more systemic inflammation. Um, so <laughs> that can lead to, you know, food sensitivities, skin issues, joint pain, yeah. kind of like however your autoimmune <laughs> symptoms <laughs> manifest or your inflammation manifests. It's kind of different for everyone. Um, but then, you know, it kind of depends on what types of bacteria or critters are overgrowing. Some people experience weight loss. Some people experience weight gain. Some people experience anxiety. Some people experience depression since our mood is so reliant on our gut health. Um, it can be kind of tricky to to nail down all the things that are just stemming from some sort of acute gut issue. Um, And then of course, you know, IBS, those symptoms could be caused by like 20 other conditions. So it's in theory a wastebasket diagnosis and should only be, you know, given as a label if all of those other (laughs) options have been um, exhausted. That's not often the way it works. And as a result, IBS is like the most common gastrointestinal diagnosis in the world. Um, But, you know, it's not like you've identified a disease. And the same thing is true of SIBO. SIBO is not a disease. It's just a condition. Mm -hmm. And it's a sign that something has gone wrong in the digestion in the intestinal tract in order for, you know, bacteria that aren't really supposed to be living there to kind of take up residence and stay a while. Um, So I can get into kind of what some of those root causes are there. It really, really runs, you know, a huge gambit. There are a lot of other autoimmune diseases on that list. There are a lot of lifestyle things like you mentioned on that list. And then I'm sure, you know, epigenetics, genetics do play a role, but um, it's kind of hard to to pinpoint. And in many ways, it's kind of hard to pinpoint how some of these sure. autoimmune diseases, you know, directly correlate. Um, but there are some examples like Hashimoto's um, that we do know. So I can I can get into that a little bit unless you have follow-up questions. No, no, I think, I think obviously some lifestyle things would be great because that's applicable to everybody, right? So anything lifestyle related, behavioral related, um, would be fantastic to know, you know, this really does seem like the way you describe it. It's, it's like that pebble that hits the windshield. And if you don't, if you don't address this thing or identify it pretty, pretty promptly after that, um, it could leak into, you know, all pun intended, uh, a whole host of issues. And so, um, really, really great. And it sounds like there's this, this test that I can actually get to the point of like in specification saying this is SIBO to the point that you can start treating it. So maybe before we even get to, to treatments and protocols for 
um, you know, you know, taking action. What are some of these uh, lifestyle choices that may be familiar to everybody that that could cause this? Yeah. Well, you know, it's similar to autoimmune disease. Like there's kind of this analogy that you're just constantly adding like Tinder to a box and, you know, over the course of your life, so many different little things that you've done in order to um, make you more at risk for developing a condition like autoimmune disease that maybe, you know, you are genetically predispositioned to, but you kind of need all that Tinder. Um, and then some sort of catalyst event to like light, light the match and burn the whole thing down. And I do think it's really similar for SIBO, like the list, as I mentioned, for underlying causes or risk factors is really, really long. And it's not you know, one thing that's going to cause your SIBO. So I don't want people to freak out as I start to list some of these lifestyle things. It's really, you know, about kind of when you reach your tipping point. Um, and for me, I will say, you know, I have a lot of risk factors that we can go over some of them, but stress, stress was my catalyst event. My book tour is very stressful. There's really nothing else like that year that set it apart, you know, besides just the stress and, you know, probably not sleeping as well and just being a little bit, um, even though I, you know, just spent a year like building up this incredible toolkit of self-care, just, you know, not being as proactive and, or just not being able to counteract the stress in the same way I was, um, at other times. Um, okay. So kind of the three main buckets for SIBO, um, the first bucket would be the bacteria are not killed because, you know, our system is completely designed to neutralize bacteria or pathogens that are naturally coming in through the nose and mouth. So we have stomach acid for that. That's kind of like the first leg of the digestive labyrinth. Um, then we have, you know, all of these other antimicrobial substances, our bile acids, our pancreatic enzymes, like our small intestine is primarily like bile and acid. It's not water-based like our large intestine. Um, and then there's our immune system. Our immune system, again, is kind of there to make sure that when a pathogen comes in that's not supposed to be there, um, it's immediately neutralized. So um, there's kind of a long list of things that would even fall into that category. You know, a lot of women have their gallbladder removed. Mm. Um, a lot of us have low stomach acid as a result of... Um, sometimes H. pylori, but more often than not, just lifestyle things like stress, stress comes right. up again, that just naturally um, lowers your stomach acid when you're constantly in fight or flight mode. Um, and then, you know, if you're on immunosuppressants or immunodeficient in some way, that can also be um, a, a risk factor. And of course, if you're on proton pump inhibitors, which naturally, which mm -hmm. sole purpose is to reduce your stomach acid as so many people are, um, wrongfully so, I will yes. say, um, yeah. that is a huge uh, risk factor for SIBO. So then the second bucket is, again, another mechanism that we just rely on for our digestive tract um, to run smoothly. It's this thing called the migrating motor complex, and it is powered by nerve cells and is pretty much responsible for making sure that our incredibly long winding <laughs> small intestine doesn't have any like food debris that just gets stuck there. Um, or, you know, in the case of bacteria coming in that, you know, they can't stick around. No opportunists can just like pull off the highway and stay there. So it's essentially just kind of 
this propulsive motion that during you know the in-between times of your meal, during a fasting state of 90 minutes or more, it kicks in and like a dishwasher, a street sweeper, however you ever want to think of it, it just you know brushes through your system and makes sure everything's moving on to the next um, to the next area. So they've found via research that this is one of the main mechanisms that can go awry for SIBO. And it can go awry for so many different reasons. Um, Lifestyle-wise, stress is another one. (laughs) It's like the double whammy for SIBO. Um, Hashimoto's, because our thyroid hormones are so important for some of these functions, can also be a risk factor. Um, Though it's like not necessarily directly correlated to the migrating motor complex, you know, various um, gut-related autoimmune conditions, IBD, celiac, that can also limit motility. And um, snacking, you know, again, no one's going to be getting SIBO just from snacking. But if you Mm. think about it, if you are, you know, eating all the time, even if it's a healthy snack, like, I don't know, a carrot stick or an almond, you are preventing your migrating motor complex from kicking into gear and naturally doing what it's meant to do. Um, I'll also say eating too close to bedtime too, because Mm. contrary to what a lot of people believe when I mentioned the 90 minute fasting window, your digestive system does not work overnight, um, or at least not your intestines. Your liver is kind of kicking into gear and doing some of its other chores like cleaning your blood, um, but your digestive system slows down. So if you're eating and then going horizontal immediately after, likely your food has not fully moved through um, your digestive tract and your migrating motor complex certainly hasn't um, cleaned up after the meal yet. So it's just something to think about. This episode of The Medicine is brought to you by Immune Intel AHCC. If this is the first time you're hearing about AHCC, it's a cultured mushroom product that comes from the mycelium or root-like structure of the shiitake mushroom. It is the most clinically researched functional food in the world with over 30, yes, three zero years of clinical research behind it. HCC is really the main tool that I use to help people get out of suffering from things like HPV, autoimmune disorders, Lyme disease, cancer, liver failure, skin disorders, fatigue, HIV, herpes, and more. If you're thinking, how does one thing work for all of these issues? It's because HCC delivers intelligence to your immune system by increasing the number and activity of your immune cells and the chemical messengers they use to communicate. So the physiology of the entire body is positively affected. If you want to learn more about AHCC, you can go back and listen to episode number 45 of this podcast, where Chase and I dive deep and answer all of the major questions about AHCC. If you or someone you love needs AHCC, you can find it linked below in the show notes or on my website, getmimifit.com. This may just be the thing that you've been searching for. Cheers, boo. Can I ask a clarifying question? Yeah, yeah. So this migrating motor complex, is it an actual physical thing in your body or is it like the movement of the peristalsis of the muscles in your digestive tract that are moving things along? 
Yes. So it's powered by nerve cells. It's not like a physical <laughs> entity. Um, it's like a propulsive wave. It's different than peristalsis because that is muscular and that's like what's moving the food through. And then, you know, this, I don't know how to describe it. I wish I had a, a diagram or a video. Um, this like this nerve wave just kind of like flips things down and cleans mm. up afterwards. Gotcha. Okay. I was trying to physically like picture what's happening in the yes. body. And, and There's no little street sweeper, you know, moving down, <laughs> up and down your intestinal wall. I figured not, but I wanted just in case there was a listener that was like, wait, can we? Um, perfect. That's, that's a really, and then you said that that was the second bucket, right? Yes. And I'll actually, I'll give you a really good example of a very common catalyst event, which is food poisoning. Mm. And the reason why this affects the migrating motor complex is because of our immune system in certain people. And again, this probably does have some genetic predisposition, but certain people, when we are faced with a pathogen and our immune system kicks into gear, sometimes it can accidentally damage the nerve cells of our migrating motor complex, like through a case of mistaken identity, because, um, like kind of the the toxins that our immune system produces to counteract um, these critters is looks very similar to the protein um, that powers the migrating motor complex. So it can it can be confusing for people because you know food poisoning it's like kind of an acute <laughs> acute experience that lasts twenty four to forty eight hours of misery and then you know most of the time, you know, you feel better afterwards. Some people, there are definitely people and certainly people with SIBO who are like, my digestion was never the same after mm. that experience. But more often than not, it can be tricky because, you know, you go on living your life, you're fine, but little do you know that your migrating motor complex has been stunted. So over the course of many weeks or months, you know, things are starting to accumulate that maybe wouldn't have ordinarily. And then a few months later, you have these horrible IBS symptoms and like you can't really quite identify um, that food poisoning as, you know, having anything to do with that experience. Um, so that's very common for SIBO folks. And it is, you know, because of that mistaken identity, it is kind of an example of like short-term autoimmune something. It's not an autoimmune disease, but it's like a case of autoimmunity for sure. Um, and in some cases, you know, your body can produce an antibody that lasts for a long time that keeps kind of the, the war on your migrating motor complexes, nerve cells, like mm -hmm. as an ongoing process, um, which is one of the reasons why SIBO can be um, chronic, especially if that's, you know, an issue for you. But we um, can get it back, right? If there is yes. some lapse in the migrating motor complex, it is possible to restore it. Yes. Well, over time, you know, that does dissipate. The antibodies, you know, eventually go away. But um, there are also the things you can do to kind of counteract like a motility issue. Like there are certain um, prescription drugs you can take. There are certain natural options that you can take to just stimulate um, that and make sure food is moving through properly. Um, gotcha. So yes, it's okay. not hopeless to answer your question. Good, good. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, lo I love. Just like listening to you and reading parts of your book, you're like, there's hope, there's hope, there's hope. Um, <laughs> because a lot of this can sound really grim because yeah. I feel like there's so much information because the gut and the microbiome, there's still so much of it that we're still figuring out. And although there is a lot that we know, and in the last decade of research and everything, like we're coming to know a lot more, but I feel like it is this thing that's so 
sometimes even for me, like overwhelmingly, like there's yeah. just so much information. It can be really hard to know where to start. Well, and it, it's also become um, something to be marketed towards, which yeah. means there's a lot of noise that may not be Ugh. legitimate. You know, working in the supplement space myself, I was at, you know, I think it was Paleo FX either a year or two ago. Um, and it was like, probiotic is going to be on literally every label, every yeah. brand. Everybody's going to have something probiotic, prebiotic, bacteria related because this thing that called gut health and bacteria is, is like coming to the surface of sales and marketing, which is mm -hmm. tough for, the, for someone who's legitimately trying to solve a very complex problem. Yeah. And unfortunately, SIBO will probably <laughs> hit that tipping point in the marketing machine too. But yes, no, it absolutely makes it very complicated. And it's one of the reasons why I am passionate about talking about SIBO, because again, I was kind of reaching for those options off the shelf and in my own kitchen that just weren't serving me. And I didn't know why. And it's because, you know, we all have different sure. <laughs> deficiencies and issues. And mine happened to be one where the like opposite approach was needed. Um, so I'll just quickly, so the third bucket is like a structural issue. And in some of these cases, you know, it would be more permanent. Like if you have um, an issue with your actual intestines, like a blockage or um, a loop, or um, in the case of the issue of backflow, you're missing your ileocecal valve, which is kind of the back door between your large intestines and your small intestine. And ordinarily, you know, it wouldn't be coming from uh, your large intestine. That wouldn't be the issue unless there was something wrong with your ileocecal valve. And some people don't have one. So, you know, mm. in that case, you know, SIBO may be constantly on the brain, but it's also not hopeless for them either. Um, but for structural, um, bucket. I think the more interesting one is any sort of abdominal surgery, even if it's laparoscopic, you know, even if our scars kind of heal on the outside, sometimes we don't realize how things reform on the inside to maybe prevent our organs from moving as easily as they once did. And, you know, I, I would add to the lifestyle list, you know, really tight pants for women. Again, I don't think this alone is going to cause SIBO for you. But if you think about, you know, the way your digestive system is supposed to function, like it can easily turn a four lane highway into a two lane highway. Mm. Um, that's kind of, you know, where a lot of the structural things come in. Like you may not be noticing, you know, that you're moving different or, you know, that you're, I don't know. I mean, we're probably noticing some IBS symptoms, but you know, it can be really, really subtle the way the fascia kind of reform on the inside. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of different types of body work that can counteract that. Um, endometriosis is one that kind of has a foot in a lot of buckets um, because you know it's an inflammatory and like kind of autoimmune condition in nature. But then also the main treatment is a laparoscopic surgery. And also, you know, if you have <laughs> Um, you know, various cysts or growths forming outside of the uterus, like that's also going to press down on your intestines in an uncomfortable way. Um, so lots of things to think about there. And as I mentioned before, like a lot of people have, you know, many different root causes. It's not usually just one thing. Um, an example I like to give is, you know, if you're in some sort of accident or you fall off a horse or what have you, Maybe, you know, it's the fact that your head injury um, is causing an issue with your motility. And that's very, very possible because the brain gut connection is 
is very powerful. And if you're not, you know, seamlessly being able to switch in and out of rest and digest mode, um, that absolutely affects the migrating motor complex. But then, you know, if it was a very serious accident, maybe your alignment didn't heal right. Maybe like you just never noticed, but like your digestive organs just are kind of a casualty of that. And then, you know, the kind of the lifestyle factor that also comes into play is if you were prescribed, if you went to the hospital and were prescribed medication, antibiotics can affect motility, opioids can affect motility. Um, Again, a lot of, this doesn't happen for everyone that like one course of medication will cause SIBO, but usually it's again, like whatever one thing contributes to the perfect storm. (laughs) It seems like there's so many things (laughs) that can, um, that can contribute to some level of gut dysbiosis, uh, yeah. whether it be stress or lifestyle or just structural structural things in our body that we might not even be able to, uh, we don't know are there or um, that we're not, you know, we can't control. Would Is it safe to say that like probably every human goes through some level of SIBO at some point in their life? And if so, does it, does it, can it, clear up on its own to the point where you're like, oh yeah, I, I used to bloat or I used to have this, but it's, it's kind of gone now. Like, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. I wouldn't say everyone has gone through like, or will go through a period of SIBO, but for sure, you know, there are means of addressing SIBO that defy like kind of the traditional like kill protocol, which involves like antibiotics or herbal antimicrobials. Um, I'd say if it's something that's been going on for a very long time. And I talked to a lot of SIBO people who are like, I have been sick, like since childhood, I've had these Mm -hmm. issues and like, no one could figure it out. And eventually they like hear about SIBO and they're like, oh my God, (laughs) lightning bulb. Mm -hmm. And you know, for anyone, and this goes for autoimmune disease too, like anyone who's had a condition for a long time, you know, it's going to take a long time to heal, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But yes, um, if you have just like some sort of dysbiosis, again, maybe it's, you know, food poisoning that you know, stunted your migrating motor complex for a little while. Like, yeah, you can absolutely get over it on your own. Like who knows even how (laughs) you end up doing it. Like it's possible to come out without even knowing it. I think there's a lot to be done with um, kind of the mental approach to these things and not to say anything psychosomatic, but um, you know, therapy in many ways of all different sorts. Um, Hypnotherapy is incredible for IBS has really good data as, and it does for SIBO as well. Um, I think in some ways, you know, tackling some of these root causes on their own, you know, though there's less data as like an actual treatment can absolutely help you overcome SIBO in some ways. And certainly if you don't overcome your root causes or tackle them, um, you know, that just puts you at a higher risk of, of experiencing those issues again. Because again, it's not like the SIBO, that's the problem. It's whatever caused the SIBO. Right. Sure. Yeah. That's could, what I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say it could manifest into, you know, something additionally as well. Um, mm-hmm. Before, before, you know, I want to ask about lifestyle choices and um, you know, dietary choices, mindset yeah. about, you know, dealing with this and, and getting through it. But before that, you know, I can't help but ask, as we deal with like toxicity in our environment, as we deal with um, farming and, you know, pesticides, glyphosate, these, these various things that we're uncovering are having such detrimental impact to the way that we consume, eat, digest Mm. food, um, how much of a factor are these environmental toxins, both in air quality and in food and quality, animals, et cetera, having having 
um, a contributing factor to something like SIBO? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely an all of the above thing with SIBO. Again, like adding more and more Tinder to the box. Um, But for sure, antibiotic use, as I mentioned, is a risk factor for SIBO. We get, unfortunately, a lot of antibiotics through food unless we're, you know, solely a not eating animal products at all or seeking out, you know, organic options, grass-fed options that, you know, don't include antibiotics. But 80% of the antibiotics that are created in this country go to livestock. So that should just put it in perspective. And then, you know, pesticides on our crops, like think about what that's doing to our microbiomes. Like these chemicals are literally designed to kill bugs. And there's you know, there's real evidence that that's exactly what they do when they reach our guts, especially like glyphosate, which is just ugh, the worst. Um, the G so, word. You know, the G word. Yeah. So that's not, we're not even talking just about produce at this point. You know, we're talking about like basically all wheat products and um, a lot of other crops as well. Um, so yes, these absolutely are, you know, putting everyone at a higher risk for SIBO. And I think that's kind of part of the problem too. Like, you know, this hasn't been an epidemic like forever like there's a lot of aspects about modern life that just like put the baseline of risk of any sort of digestive dysfunction you know at a higher mm-hmm. plane um i can't remember if you mentioned another one um in terms of lifestyle stuff but then yeah you know it's it's all the basics that i really tackled in the wellness project too it's like we're all probably not getting enough sleep. We're all overstressed. Like we're all overstimulated. Um, You know, we're not eating according to our circadian (laughs) rhythm and like (laughs) having our meals before sundown, (laughs) you know, we're we're just not living in accordance with the environment. And we also have like no contact with the natural world to be able to foster, you know, a good sense of diversity um, in a positive way. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. kind of too clean and too dirty, but like the dirty is not the good kind of dirty. Um, And that's so important. I mean, there's, there's, hasn't been research yet to completely back up how like general dysbiosis in the large intestine contributes to SIBO, but like, of course they're correlated. Like if you have gut dysfunction, you're going to be at higher risk for SIBO. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of what I really wanted to talk about in the book too, because, you know, as I mentioned, like kind of the, the quote unquote cure or treatment protocol for SIBO is very much like a kill mindset. Like you need to eradicate the overgrowth. And like, that's totally true. Like it's causing a lot of dysfunction and inflammation and misery. Um, But at the same time, like in order to prevent SIBO from coming back and to like have good quote unquote, gut health going forward, like you do need to eventually make it to point B, which is like this attitude of living with your greater gut health in mind with fostering, um, you know, more diversity and a healthier relationship to many more microbes in order Mm -hmm. to have that tolerance on the outside and the inside. Yeah. I love that. I just want to highlight really quickly because this is certainly not the norm in healthcare, even with naturopathic approaches, sometimes are still just, oh, here's an herb that's going to help you feel better, but it doesn't necessarily address, like you're talking about the root cause, like let's get to the root cause. And our listeners are well-versed on the importance of getting to the root cause of whatever condition that you have going on in your body. And I love that you point that out. I love that in the first, you know, 10 pages of your book, you're talking about I practice root cause, you know, I'm a like root cause practitioner, basically like let's 
help you feel better, but also like, let's get to the root. And so I just want to highlight how, how incredible that is because I, I think that it's still a somewhat foreign concept within this, this world for sure. Yeah. And I'll say, I have people message me like weekly who are like, what happens if I can't find the root cause of my SIBO? And I'm like, have you looked through the list? Like, are you not stressed? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like I guarantee there's something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of times people like stress is such an umbrella word. Stress and, and chime in, correct me if I'm wrong here, but to, to my knowledge, stress doesn't have to be Oh my gosh, we're we're strapped for cash and we can't pay yeah. our bills. Stress not, could be it's not just anxiety. No, yeah. stress yeah. could be planning a wedding that seems really exciting, but there's a lot of things and your mind is constantly going and your body interprets interprets that yeah. excitement as also stress. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, watching scary movies every day yeah. yeah. that manifests <laughs> or, stress. Or exercising too much, working exactly. too too long, um, yep. fasting too long. Not yep. sleep, you know, not sleeping enough. All these things, and oftentimes these people are, are doing multiple. You know, it's not yes. just oh, I'm just working out too hard. It's like yes. you're probably working out too hard. You might be working too long, and you're planning a wedding. Right. <laughs> like yes. a lot of those, things. and you're like, drinking a lot of coffee every morning, yeah. or right. caffeine of any kind. Like yeah, like your cortisol. Yeah. Is gonna and you're strapped yeah. for time, so you're going through yeah. the drive-through, and you know, like it's a, it's usually a lot of which is which is okay. Like it's life, right? Like yeah we all face these things and and what i love that we're doing is like we're just putting awareness towards towards these things lighting them up and and uh like you mentioned it's it, it doesn't have to be overwhelming you can take it one piece at a time and like let's start with the lowest hanging fruit at times especially in a complex area like your gut health mm-hmm. uh could be stress yeah. and that's the lowest yeah. hanging fruit and you can start little bits at a time mm-hmm. making progress and you can also experiment like if you're not sure what your root cause is like think about the big buckets like is it low stomach acid? Like you can experiment with that. Like it's not something that's that scary to experiment with. Like you just take an HCL supplement or digestive enzyme before your meal and like see if you do better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's get into, let's bring some light into this. We've, we've identified the issue and the problem and the importance of getting to the root cause. Um, one line I love in your book, it's a couple lines. Um, you say healing is not a straight line between point A and point B. Progress is often one step forward and two steps back. So I love this line because what you're saying is not everyone's path is going to be the same. And even your path, if you do all the right things, may not be a straight line from point A to point B. You might be winding. You, it might be some trial and error. It might look different from your girlfriend who has SIBO. Can you speak to um, some of the potential starting points? You already mentioned, you know, HCL supplements um, for for low stomach acid. When you advise people, what are what are some 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 really common places that you see progress in the people that you work with? This low hanging fruit, as you said, Chase. Where do people start? So here's a not so fun fact. Over 75% of Americans are deficient in the oh so important mineral, magnesium. If you're thinking, well, so what? Magnesium is critical to our body's long-term health because it's involved in over 300 different processes in our body. Magnesium deficiency can lead to issues that create more issues, including mood disorders, sleep problems, muscle cramps, and the inability to absorb essential vitamins and nutrients like vitamin D. 
With most of the world now aware of just how precious our health is, we cannot keep overlooking this rampant deficiency. But the type of magnesium you are putting into your body is really important, which is why Chase and I both choose the Mellow Magnesium Blend from Ned. Mellow is a powerful daily magnesium supplement that can help propel memory, mood, brain function, stress response, sleep, energy, and nerve and muscle health. Mellow is unique because it contains three forms of magnesium that are all complemented by amino acids, L-theanine and GABA, along with 70 different trace minerals. This is necessary so they don't break down in our digestive tracts and can be delivered directly to the areas where our body needs them most. Mellow truly nourishes every inch of our body. My personal favorite is the Naked flavor, which tastes like a healthy cream soda. I stir the powder into 8-10 to 10 ounces of water about an hour before bed to ensure my body gets quality sleep. To try your own Mellow Magnesium, go to helloned.com and use the code MEDICINE, that's M-E-D-I-C-I-N, to get a killer discount on all the Ned products. And to see how we use the other incredible hemp products from Ned, you can check the show notes below to be taken directly to our personal medicine cabinet on my website. When we know better, we can do better for our bodies. And now, you know. Cheers, boo. Yeah. So it's funny. I think I actually plagiarized myself with that from the wellness project, but oh. <laughs> it was really my big learning from doing that. And you know, it's true, like, especially for people living with a chronic condition, like autoimmune disease, like I get really frustrated with like the practitioners who, you know, advertise like remission as like the end goal. Cause like, it's just not possible for everyone. And when you're really sensitive and like your body is already like kind of off the rails, like you're going to have a, like probably some flares in your life. Like you're not going to be just even keel perfection at all points. And that's okay. Like that's just what happens. Um, so in terms of where to start with SIBO, it's interesting. Like I really do think like kind of the foundation that I built my, for myself with the wellness project, like a lot of those common sense areas are where people struggle and people, you know, should follow whatever their doctor's advice is, whatever like treatment protocol that they feel is the best fit for them. And it really does differ depending on, you know, your financial situation, your lifestyle situation. Like you, luckily there are options and you can pick and choose. Um, but I would definitely say, don't forget about like the basics. Um, I do this course called four weeks to wellness, which is kind of my like lightning fast version of my year of health. Um, that like helps people try on some of these things for just like a four week period. And the first week we take out caffeine, sugar, and alcohol, just those three. I mean, they're big three, but like, it's not like whole 30 where you take out everything or like a, like a true full elimination diet. And I think that's kind of the problem with some of those programs is that sometimes it's much simpler. It's just like the big guns, like it's the vices that you have just let get out of control and haven't really noticed. And, mm -hmm. you know, those three, I think really go hand in hand and can perpetuate each other. Um, usually everyone has a stronger <laughs> relationship or issue with one or the other. Um, but I have to say like, in having worked with hundreds of women in my program, 
like we do an elimination diet, like week starting week two, but a lot of people have like solved their problems just with those big three, you know, it's like the skin is totally cleared up, like their energy is back. Um, you know, sugar and caffeine, like I'd say are probably the more insidious, like alcohol is, you know, one that we're like taught from a young age and like have experienced like during a hangover mornings as like being destructive for our health and our inflammation. But, um, you know, caffeine and sugar are so normalized. Um, and sugar particularly is just in everything, you know, a lot of progress can be made by just taking those out. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of, um, complicated diet advice for SIBO. Um, there's this diet called the low FODMAP diet. That's kind of the generally um, prescribed one. And it's very complicated. And I will say that I think it's underappreciated just looking at some of the bigger allergens first, especially since we know leaky gut is kind of like a byproduct of SIBO. A lot of us are having this kind of like ongoing inflammatory reaction and food sensitivities to, you know, certain food groups. Um, so I'd say, you know, if the low FODMAP diet feels really scary and intimidating to you. Like, again, just start with the big guns, like start with the vice detox, like while you're going through treatment. Um, if you know, you want to go further, maybe start by taking out, you know, a big potential allergen like gluten, dairy, soy, or corn and seeing what that does. Um, anything that you can do to just like take away the insult from injury and just let your gut calm down. Um, that's great. And that doesn't have to necessarily come at the same time as treatment. I think a lot of people kind of conflate healing and treatment when often the times like treatment can be really harsh on the body and like require healing afterwards anyway. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I don't know, in kind of the quote you chose, my advice would be to just like give yourself a really long runway. I think a year, like I thought a year was a really crazy amount of time when I did my wellness project because I was like in my 20s and, you know, didn't know what was what. And now I'm like, oh, like you can't heal in less than a year. Like <laughs> who thinks they can heal overnight? No one. Like it just takes time, unfortunately. And I personally think it's always better to, even if that seems like a drag, to like set your expectations and to go mm -hmm. slow. Yeah. No, I love that. Thank you so much. So how would someone know if they're, if they're starting to, you know, take on some of these healthy practices um, and, you know, say six months goes by or whatever amount of time, what do people start to notice? Is it like symptoms? Like how can you tell that you're healing from SIBO? Yeah. I mean, it is hard. I mean, First, I would say what's in the toilet, like look at your poop. Like that's always a good sign. If like you're pooping well, like I mean, that's a good sign. What is well? Um, like a, a long, smooth log that, you know, <laughs> okay, comes out easily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we're avoiding the like scaly dry or pebbly or certainly liquid. I would say, you know, paying attention to what kinds, like if you can see full like fully formed food in your poop, like that's a very bad sign that you're just not absorbing your nutrients that you're like not processing. It's probably a sign that you need to chew your food more. Um, I will also say like, you know, people think make things really complicated and I kind of wish I hadn't started the answer to your last question with like the question of what to eat because how you're eating it is truly much more mm -hmm. impactful for your digestive system and especially for SIBO. So like 
chewing would be <laughs> probably the first place to start. And most of us don't do a great job at that. I mean, I'd say like take a week and chew your food like oh until mush and I, see I, how your symptoms I improve. Crush food yeah. so fast. <laughs> and we're so like much. we're our dinner experience is like a ceremony that it, it like we we do eat slow. It's over a a a um a long period of time. It's not like 10 minutes, but we're talking. And so what I notice, I'm just inhaling. I, yeah. I, we're usually talking and like, it's our time to connect. And so what I notice is like, Oh, I have something really good to say. Let me get this food down real quick. Uh -huh. And I am like swallowing chunks and like then take water. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it's cause I'm like, Oh, I don't want to forget this thought or like, I want to respond. And then I'm putting down like, you know, globs of chicken and stuff and like unchewed yeah. vegetables. God. And it's, it is a really good reminder. And it sounds so simple almost to the point of being yeah. silly but it's it's impactful for sure yeah. it's all the simple stuff honestly it's not what anyone wants to hear but it's all the common right. sense simple stuff that makes a difference and it's also the hardest stuff to do so like right. don't beat yourself up like that's kind of why i like breaking things down into like these like step by step like just do it for a week see what happens yeah like yeah. let's not load on everything Let, let's focus on one thing first yeah um and then, yeah, the meal spacing is one that a lot of SIBO people feel is a game changer. And we're not talking about fasting. Like, I actually think this is like more important, which is just leaving, you know, four or five hours between your meals. It can be aspirational if like you have blood sugar issues, you know, some of us do. It's not like something that, you know, everyone can do right away, but you could absolutely work towards it. And some of that may be in redesigning your meals to be bigger and have more healthy fats and protein and fiber that keep you fuller for longer. Um, if you're someone who truly can't go that long, like it's definitely probably a blood sugar issue. So again, thinking about slowly redesigning your meals to support um, better blood sugar. And yeah, the eating earlier, oh my gosh, what else? So many things. Um, like hydration is so important, especially for your bowels, um, making sure you're getting enough water kind of in between meals, not necessarily at meals because it dilutes your digestive enzymes in, in your saliva. Um, oh my gosh. So I'm many. so bad at that. I feel like I have to have water at my meals and I don't like gulp it, but I do sip and I know that it's like diluting my gastric, you know, juices and enzymes and salivary enzymes and everything. And I, uh, it's Focus on chewing first and then, you know, worry about the water later. One okay. thing at a time. Okay. One thing at a time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. One thing my partner and I started doing is um, I had this guest on my podcast, Sibo Made Simple, that talked about why saying grace is so good for your mm. digestion. And it's literally because it's like the transition times. Like transition times are so important. Like yeah. it's when you just take a moment, break out of that fight or flight mode and just like ground yourself to the experience of eating a meal. And yeah. we are not religious at all, but we just were like, okay, like what is our version of that? So we just do like a little like three prong gratitude each oh, of us. Yeah. But like, it yeah. doesn't matter what it is. It's yeah. just the transition. It like, could that's be four breaths. Yeah. yeah, it could be yeah. literally just sitting, eyes closed, breathing. And yep. that's exactly, you're explaining exactly what we do. We hold hands, we just close our eyes and breathe. And whatever comes to us, whether whatever we're grateful for, whatever love we want to send to someone in our life, like it's just a moment to just sit and be and recognize that like, hey, yeah. I'm here, I have breath, life is good. At least three yeah. deep belly breaths. And um, yeah, sometimes I even forget that there's a meal. Yeah, I know. I'm like, this so is nice. I'm just moment. like holding your hand like, this is nice. Oh yeah, yeah there's food. <laughs>
No, that's <laughs> love that's, that. That's awesome. It's a uh, definitely a great, great reminder. As far as as far as food, you know, what are some of the some of the best just like foods that that can be consumed while treating something like SIBO? But but also like this freaking amazing book that you have. Uh, what have been some of the winners? What have been some of the greatest like recipes oh and some of the feedback that you're getting? I mean, the whole thing looks amazing. Thank um, you. Yeah, it's been surprising actually seeing it. I love after like a book comes out, seeing like what end up being the like signature recipes. Yeah. I have no idea. And I've been surprised with this book. It's been really a smattering. Like people have been making lots of different things, which has made me very happy. But I would say kind of like the hero ingredients of healing are like super vibrant, antioxidant rich fruits and vegetables, hard on a low FIMAP diet because a lot of them are off limits, but just like eat for color. First and foremost, don't be afraid of vegetables. If you have problems with them, try cooking and pureeing. Like again, Mm. if you're like noticing food whole in your stool, like that's a sign that maybe you do need a little bit of extra help if you're, you know, chewing alone is not doing it. Like you can take that out of the equation and like just a blended like, soup, blended yeah, soup, choose like some yeah. blended soups. Yeah. Yeah. Great, so I have like a, a green reminder. detox soup and an orange remedy soup. Those have actually been pretty popular. Um, just because again, it's like everyone, they're like kind of foundational recipes that everyone can use to just like have a little bit of a digestive break. Um, but then yeah, turmeric is obviously super vibrant, really great for inflammation. Um, bone broth, any sort of homemade broth to just, you know, soothe the digestive tract, give you a lot of that good collagen, amino acids um, for rebuilding tissue, um, which is so important. Again, like if leaky gut's an issue, um, like I love ginger, a lot of fresh ginger in there, um, which is important because with the low FODMAP diet, there's no garlic and onion, which is tough for a lot of people. Um, so the ginger, I, I add a ton of it in lots of recipes, fresh lemon juice for acid. And it's also kind of antimicrobial naturally, um, tons of fresh herbs. Cause again, most people are like taking herbs in supplement form. Like the fresh herbs are not going to like cure your SIBO, but of course, like eating all of these mm. incredibly incredible antibacterial antiviral ingredients can't hurt. Um, and they have like lots of other great things going for them too. Um, let's see what else. Um, everything in here is so colorful. I'm, I'm just like, I'm yeah, the, the pictures are beautiful. Thumbing Thank through you. it all. And it's a lot of a, staring at a frittata over here. Oh, getting, oh. Getting hungry. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so what are we making tonight? <laughs> there's a lot of, I'm noticing there's a lot of oranges and reds mm. and yellows in um, a lot of your stuff, which like you're talking about, you know, eating for color. Everything is very, very vibrant. Every picture is, there's uh, an array of oranges and reds, it seems like. Thank you. Yeah. yeah so beautiful. Hopefully a lot of greens in there too, but you're right because I think a a lot of green veggies are off the table. There's a lot of like carrots and um, I guess a lot of carrots. So So if we're we're talking about, you know, we're talking about, uh, I'm just going to say it a starting point, you know, there's a lot of different, if you go down the Dr. Dr. Google rabbit hole of SIBO, you're going to find probably 1 million different ways to treat it, where to start. In my opinion, if this was something that I was struggling with, I've dealt with it a little bit in my past. It seems to be okay right now. I haven't had any of the symptoms or anything. But if I was, I would absolutely start with your book. Oh, um, I love 
that you've taken information from all these different experts. You had your own podcast, SIBO Made Simple. It seems like you have a, a, a wealth of knowledge and you're taking the best from these different experts mm. and approaches and compiling them, putting into one simple place. And that's obviously why it's called SIBO Made Simple. So you guys, if any one of you is listening right now and you're like, gosh, I don't know where to start, what to do, like get something physical in your hands that you can put your eyeballs on and then you have no excuse of like, well, I don't know where to start. Telling you right now, start with her book. It's one beautiful, gorgeous, like I want to make these meals and I don't even have SIBO. And it's it's going to give you that edutainment, which I love. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I will say that these are recipes. I'm a chef. That's my background um, that the whole family can enjoy, which I know is like the hardest part of doing any sort of restrictive diet is like, if you have to like make your own separate meals, that's horrible. So, you know, these dishes, I recipe tested back in the before times when you could have dinner parties. Like I did them all for friends and no one had any idea. Like they just thought it was like a regular yeah. delicious yeah. meal. Yeah. It, you don't look at these and be like, well, something's missing. Like it looks, they're, they're just gorgeous. So I don't think anyone's going to be eating these foods thinking that they're on some sort of restrictive diet, which um, is, is also like just good for the mind. I feel like when you're, when you're going through healing, like you don't always want to feel like restriction. I'm restricting. I can't have that. Can't, 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 can't instead like empowering yourself with the knowledge and tools like this book and like your recipes and your information. No, I can do this. And here are all the tools that I can work with. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I want to hear, you know, we always talk about what are the medicines that, that we love and for the body, mind and relationship. But before we get to that, um, do you work with people one-on-one? What offerings do you have? If someone is like, oh my gosh, I, I got to have more of Phoebe, where do they start? Uh, what, what, uh, what do you recommend? Um, what do you point people to? Yeah. So I have a website, feedmephoebe.com. There's tons of free recipes, a lot of low FODMAP options, a lot of resources for elimination diets, SIBO, whatnot, Hashimoto's obviously. And you can find my podcast there. And then I don't work with people one-on-one. Um, but the one time that you can work with me is during my four weeks of wellness course. And actually the spring session just open for enrollment. Um, wow. so you can go to the wellnessproject.com to check that out if you're curious. And then sibomadesimple.com is where you can find all the info about the book. I'm, you know, very decentralized. <laughs> okay, cool. And you're on, uh, I see you hang out on Instagram, right? Yes. I do okay. a weekly Q and A on Instagram and people are always sending me SIBO questions. So you can go there too. Love it. Great. Oh, such a, such a wealth of knowledge in this, this space that can really seem overwhelming. So thank you for your work and the fun and the lightness. I mean, you guys can't see her, I know, but she's had a smile on her face for this entire <laughs> time. And that's, it's really refreshing in, in the, the, current state of things. It's, it's nice to see that. So um, as we mentioned, the medicine is all about disease prevention for body, mind, and relationships. And we would love to hear from you um, a little nugget or tidbit of what feels like medicine first for your body right now. Ooh, um, just like hardcore rest. I've been just needing a lot of sleep. I mean, I think this year has been a lot a lot for a lot of people and just the grief and the uncertainty just can wear on you um, physically as much as emotionally. So I've just been letting myself sleep for as long as I need to recently. That's great. Um, and that's been great. But also I just love 
baths. Baths mm. are like my favorite form of self-care right now. Uh, right. Do you put anything in your bath? I do. I put some Epsom salts in there. I'm not fancy. I don't like, I'm very sensitive to scent, even if it's like a central oil, natural scent. So I just kind of go straight up. Love Epsom it. Salts. Yes. Love, it. Yeah. Love it. What about for your mind? What feels like medicine right now? Oh, goodness. I mean, walking outside. I do have a meditation practice. I've been a little bit haphazard about it, but um, I really do think in here in New York, like spring is just showing off. And especially Mm. after like spending so much time cooped up, just like treating myself to a walk outside and just not being on my phone or listening to anything, but just like being present and walking and experiencing like the sounds and vibrancy of the city and the blooms has yes. been amazing. Love that. Oh, it's so good. We all, <clears throat> no one comes back from a nature walk and been like, oh, that was too yeah. long. <laughs> it was, it was like, uh, it was just too much. Not too much doing nature. that again. Too many yeah. trees and Ugh. birds. Gross. <laughs> no, it doesn't happen. <laughs> um, what about for your relationship or relationships? However you want to view that, what feels like medicine right now? Yeah. My husband and I have been building just like a lot of traditions like over Mm -hmm. the years. And I just love that. Like the gratitude pre-meal practice has been the latest, but um, we do a lot of things around the new year together. And, you know, just like the longer that you're with someone, I just think it builds such a wonderful fabric to your history to just have these like grounding um, Mm -hmm. practices that happen every year. Yes. I love that. It, it's, it adds so much um, to, it, it's an easy grab for memories too, when you can go back and yeah. like you have these traditions and then, yeah, I totally agree. We love, we love making up new traditions like, Hey, this was great. Let's do this every year. Or, you know, yeah. we really responded well, like that's, it's really important to us too. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally hear you there and it's, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm so glad that you have such a wonderful partner. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. I feel like this hour flew by. I'm just like, I have so many more questions, but um, if anyone is like me and you're like, no, I want to know more, I want to know more, definitely check out all all the um, places that Phoebe mentioned, her book, her website, check out her uh, Four Weeks to Wellness. Do you know when, um, when that will close for your- Yes, it closes May 13th. Okay. okay. So depending on when this uh, episode <laughs> drops, it may or may not be open, but definitely keep your eyes out for all the other things that she has to offer. Such a wealth of knowledge and information and light. I can just tell. I just love your face. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love your guys' faces. <laughs> thank you for being here. And I'm so excited to know another amazing human in this sp- space that is spreading so much joy and positivity and uh, light and just like hope. So thank thank you you again. My pleasure. All right, you guys. I hope you got a lot of value out of this and we will talk to you next time. Go spread some light. Okay, bye. If you liked this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. This will ensure that every episode drops into your library automatically. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram at Mimi underscore the medicine. To learn more about our favorite health products, foods, and supplements we discuss on here, visit getmimifit.com forward slash the medicine cabinet, or just check the show notes below. Until next time. Cheers, boo.